see you this morning. Let's turn our Bibles to Ruth uh, chapter 1. And honestly, just one of my favorite books of the Bible to, to go through. Many years ago, I went through a series, and maybe the Lord will let me do that here as well. But i um, just been thinking about church. And, you know, sometimes we, we get part of something and we sort of are together and we sort of, you know, it's part of the schedule. We're, we're going through just life and it just becomes a bit of a, that's what we do. You know, we sort of just are here. We know we're supposed to be here and so we are. Um, but I wanted to just give you a thought this morning about maybe perhaps the kind of church that we can be and we ought to be and we have been and the kind of Christians that we should be as we look around in a world that's at times hurting, a world that at times goes through just things that are out of their control. And, you know, I think as a church we can sometimes just sort of be the church on Sunday without thinking about the fact that we are the church throughout the week. And I want to give you a thought from the book of Ruth about that. There's so much in the book of Ruth, as Brother Glenn mentioned this morning, and just so much that we could cover, but in the space of time that we have, and, and then thinking about the Lord's table to come, the Lord's Supper that we're going to have in a little while. But just thinking about the kind of church that we, we ought to be, and you know, I think sometimes we can, as I said, just, I guess, to, to say a cliche, go through the motion of things, we can sort of turn up like we do and sort of sit where we're supposed to sit and where we've always sat, and that's, that's the extent of, of what we're, we're doing as a church. But you know that, um, that actually what we do in times like this and who we are, it actually matters, church, this morning. It matters the, the, the way we are as God's people. It matters how we think about church. We have to, we, church isn't something that man designed, it's something that actually God instituted, right? And it's something that, that is uh, supposed to be the, the pillar and ground of the truth, it's meant to be, we're meant to be salt and light, we're meant to make a difference. And I want to give you a thought this morning about Naomi's comeback, and the interesting about this one is that actually this comeback came through another. And if you know the book of Ruth, it's probably obvious to you this morning, actually, because the, the title of the book is the hero of the book, Ruth. It's actually her. She's actually the one. But uh, when you look at the, the whole book and you look at the story, it's actually Naomi that gets the blessing at the end. Um, you read, we read verses 1 to 5. Notice what the response was from Naomi. Look at verse 10. And they say unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So she's, she's now contemplating what to do after all of the, the tragic events that had happened. They had already fled from Jerusalem, from the, the famine that, that was coming, and they already went into a, a, another land, and now she, she's coming back without her husband or her two sons. And so they're contemplating on what to do, and Naomi said, turn again, my daughters, while we, will you go with me? And notice this, are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, 
For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord, notice her attitude, is gone out against me. She's saying, because God has gone against me, it's affected you. I can't offer you anything now. And if you listen in carefully to how Naomi was talking, she was actually, she had, she had become hopeless. She had become void of any hope. And you would somewhat understand that, the, the tragedy that she's gone through. And we continue reading, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she, she, she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. And the famous verse, For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. But more, more importantly, thy God, my God. So we understand that Ruth was a Moabitess and she didn't come from a heritage where they believed in the one true God. But here was her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her extended family, including her husband, who had believed in God. And somewhat they had proven enough that, that, that God was real and was right, that here now Ruth becomes one that follows after God as well. And now she's taking ownership of the fact that, that God is the one true God, that God will be her God. So Ruth now has this strength of character to stay with and be devoted to her mother-in-law. Notice she continues, Where thou diest, will I die? And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Talk about a commitment that she was making. She understood there that the, the task that she was putting herself to, that if she was going to go with Naomi... She was going to go, and this was going to be the place of her burial. This was going to be the place where she was going to find herself toward to the end of her life. And notice then Naomi, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. She figured out, well, I can't get rid of her. She might as well come with me. And so she goes, and now they're off to Jerusalem again. They're off to the, the homeland of Naomi, Israel. And, and we know the rest of the story that she... She goes and she tells her daughter-in-law, go glean. God made provision in the law. If you, we won't take the time this morning, but you go through the law. But God made it so that those who were strangers and those who were poor and needy, they could go and glean in the fields. And God actually made it that those who had a field, they on purpose left those things on the ground that had dropped. And so she, she said, go glean. You know, we're destitute of anything. And in that day, it was just that, if you lost your husband and you had nothing with you, you're, you're the, the poor of the poor, you're destitute. And so here Naomi finds herself, here Ruth finds herself, and along the way, we, we know the story perhaps, she meets this fellow named Boaz. And, you know, for you ladies, you like a good love story, this is a good one, all right? And they find each other, Boaz, it was Boaz's field, she was gleaning there. Boaz notices her, hey, who's that, right? So, uh, inquires about her, then she, he, he inquires about her, then she goes back and says, oh, look, I was gleaning at the field of Boaz, and it just so happened he was a kinsman. Long story short, they do what is needed. He, he goes and ensures that he has the right to marriage towards Ruth, and they get married. 
And an amazing story, we, we, we just hit the highlights a little bit. But I want you to go now to the end of the story, look at Ruth chapter 4, and just remember the, the things that, that Naomi was saying, I have no more sons in my womb. Remember that. God has been against me, and in fact, later on in the, in the story, though we didn't read it, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore, which meant beautiful. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. She was bitter. And, and yet, you know, along the way, we sometimes forget that Ruth went through it too. Ruth went through all of that, but she chose differently. She, she, in the mindset, she had the mindset at her crossroads that she was going to stick with, the, with God. It wasn't her God to begin with, but it was, he was the God. And he go and she makes that commitment. She's devoted to that. And we skip to the end of the story. And, and remember those things that we mentioned. Uh, no more sons in my womb. The Lord hath dealt bitterly against me. And notice verses 13 to 22. Look at Ruth chapter 4. Look at verse 13. This is now the end of the story. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, So who had the child? Ruth. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee, then seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And notice verse 17. And the women, in her, her, the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to who? Naomi. There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And, you know, the great purpose of the book of Ruth, it's written during the time period of the Judges. The great purpose of the book of Ruth is to simply outline the lineage of David. But, you know, it's an amazing story because at the beginning we saw that the mindset that Naomi had was there's no more sons in my womb. But later on it was accounted for her that she had a son through, Naomi, uh, through Ruth. And it's, it's an amazing turnaround, but I want you to note that the comeback, that the turnaround didn't come through her, it came through another. You know, as a church, we can look around and sometimes we can get so used to just being here and seeing the same people that we forget that there's others around us that perhaps we can bless and be helped to. Sometimes we can forget that at times, even though we're, we, we've, we've, been saved and we have all of the blessings of God that, you know, sometimes we can lose purpose of why He does that. And sometimes we can forget that we can actually be the comeback in someone else's life. We can be the one that through God's usage and through God's enabling can help another come through. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning because I think sometimes we can be busy doing church but we can forget to be the church. And we can glean and we can get all the blessings and we can know all of that. And yet there are those in need around us. And it could just be that 
as we remain faithful to the Lord and devoted to Him, that God allows us to issue a deliverance in another's life. And so this morning, I want to tell you about Naomi's comeback and just go through a little bit, a few lessons here this morning for us that I hope we'll take in and, and maybe bring into our mindset as we are as a church. And firstly, I want you to note that really, firstly, our fruitfulness can bring life into another. Our fruitfulness can bring life to another. Notice verses 13 and 14 again in our chapter, chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife and she bare a son. But then notice here, and the women said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord. You know, it was Ruth that really was the, the protagonist in our story. But it was the, the blessing was accounted to Naomi. The blessing was accounted to another and the fruitfulness came via Ruth, but the blessing came in another's life. And, and you know, sometimes we, we do the things of, of, of Christianity. We sort of, you know, we know we should read our Bible. We know we should, you know, walk with God. And sometimes we lose track of that. And sometimes we get back into it and we sort of go back up and down in that. But often our motives for that and often our, our thinking about that is limited to just who we are. It's limited to what God is doing in our life, and we forget that God actually might be doing something in our life to bless in another's life. Sometimes we forget that fruitfulness and a lack of fruitfulness actually has a cost involved. And, and, and our fruitfulness, though, can bring life into another. See, Ruth's reward for her, her faithfulness and her devotion to God was a child born and a marriage that was given her, and it brought fruit into her life, but actually it brought blessing into others' lives. See, the blessing is accounted to Naomi, and once she had no hope for life, once she had no hope for what was to come, once she thought she, was, she no longer was Naomi, her life that was beautiful was gone, and now she was just full of bitterness, was now blessed again. And, you know, I, I think about Christians perhaps who go through some things and, and some really tough things. Just real things that happen in their lives that they can't explain, that, that are tragic in their lives, and they lose their joy. And they lose all of that. They, they perhaps even become bitter at God. And yet they might sit here, they might be around, and they might just be there. And you know, it might just be that your fruitfulness and your, your abiding in the Lord will be the thing that helps them come through it. The thing that helps them perhaps be encouraged in the reality of God. It might be your fruitfulness in your life that gets them to that place where they're again joyful. They're again rejoicing in God and they're again seeing that there's joy and blessing in their own life. And, you know, we understand that firstly, fruitfulness comes from a union. It was a marriage that resulted in children. And Ruth's union to Boaz her devotion to God and her loyalty to Naomi all came together to bring forth fruit. And, and we understand that. You know, whilst we, we do the actions of Christianity, we understand the needful part is what? It's our abiding with the Lord. Right? If you abide in me and I in you, the same shall bring forth much fruit. Right? That we know in John chapter 15, the whole principle there of the, our our closeness to the Lord, our intimacy with God, our union with Him in that sense. And we ought to walk with God. And in church, I hope that we're the kind of Christians this morning that we take it 
Well, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. But every day we have a mindset that we ought to walk with God. I hope this morning that as you got up and as you brought, uh, brought ahead the, the things that uh, we're going to bring to the day and the, the things that are going to happen, that you at least walked with God this morning, that you have a mindset that you're going to just abide with the Lord and have a loyalty and a faithfulness to God. I hope that you had that mindset because out of that, you'll bring forth much fruit. You know, you could, you could think of other ways, but that is the way that you bring forth fruit as believers. But you know, fruitfulness only comes from patience or from waiting. Because at the end of the day, this was a long journey for them. In verses 15 to 17, notice there, And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. You know, no doubt at the beginning of our, cha- of our book in, in chapter 1, Naomi wouldn't have had any clue how God was going to work this out. No doubt that, 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 that Ruth herself, you know, she had no idea how God was going to work it out. She just knew that God is God. And, and all, all, that, all that was all that she needed to know and all that she needed to, to see. And thankfully, Ruth stuck with it. And all along, Naomi was there, so sort of just in her bitterness. But fruitfulness came from waiting and over time, as, as God revealed how it is that He was going to bless and how He was that He was going to restore, then over time, the fruit was born. See, Naomi wouldn't have seen this coming, but Ruth's determination to follow Naomi and more importantly, her God made all the difference. And you know, fruit comes only through patience. Only comes by sticking with the stuff. Only comes by just, just believing in God over time and devotion and commitment and patience. That's what brings fruit. And Naomi, really, when you look at this, is a picture of Israel who will be fruitful one day again, but only after much tribulation. Okay, I'm thankful we as Christians, we're not going to go through tribulation, right, church? We're not. But that's a time for Israel to be restored. And one day that, that'll come by. But as a church, this is a picture of our fruitfulness. When we go and we're patient and we're just sticking by, then we're, we're able to bring fruit in another's life. You, you think about all of those. And, and you know, uh, Andrew mentioned in the announcement there that we, we gave out thousands of tracks, but I began to wonder how many times we've done that over the 40 odd years we've been around here. And, you know, we keep sowing the same ground and we keep going. And sometimes we lose sight of that and, and we're trying to get back inside of that. And maybe we're going, well, there's no fruit in it. Listen, you won't see it if you don't keep going. You won't see it if you just uh, don't have the mindset that, you know, with patience we bear fruit. And over time, and, and you know, I think about the fact that some of you, 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 you look around and some of those, uh, I think someone was mentioning, we were playing last night, we were we had a, a young adult a fellowship, and uh, it, was, it was a good time of eating pancakes, right? And uh, well, how good is that? Pancakes for dinner, right? That's pretty good. But we had pancakes, and we were out there playing basketball, and I was attempting to anyway. I'm a bit sore this morning, but we, we were playing out there, and it was Pete. He, he said, hey, you know, it's interesting because these two that we're playing with, it was the, the uh, Brosnan twins, said, I had them when, um, when they were sparkies. And I began to think, you know, part of the 
patience that we bear fruit is we see our generations th- that follow. And I began to think about some of the, those that God's allowed me to invest in over the years. And you know, it, it is true in, in the Christian life, you won't see anything done unless you're in it for the long haul. You know, he was saying that, oh, now look at them, they're all grown up. And I was thinking about some of mine who, they're not just grown up, they've got their own children. And you're saying, oh, pastor, you're not that old. I know, but, you know, I started young, all right? But some of mine who just, through the years, they just, we invested in and we saw them grow up in church. And, you know, we're, we're only new to our church. And if the Lord tarries, I'd love to see the same fruit here. But some of you have seen that. Some of you have seen that in your, in your generations. And you've, over time, you're still here. You've been coming for a long time. But now you see those children now have children. And maybe some, you're, you're old enough, you've seen those children have grandchildren. And you see that over time. But you know what? You're only going to see that if you're faithful. If you just stick with it. And, you know, eventually the one born to them is Obed and you know, Obed, his name means servant. His name means worker or worshiper. And, and real fruit isn't measured in the quantity, it's measured in the quality of the produce. And, you know, we ought to be praying that as we're trying to minister to those coming up, and maybe they're new in the faith, maybe they're just young in their age, that we're just, we're just investing in them quality fruit. Just quality they, that we, we desire in our church that the generation to come will be a, a, a group of young people that'll serve, that'll just be servants, that'll be real worshipers, that'll be real workers for the Lord, that we would desire of them, although they would be successful maybe in other parts of life, that most of all, they'd be a success before the Lord. Is that your desire this morning? They're only going to see that if you're going to be fruitful yourself. See, fruitfulness bears it in another. And it, we see here that really, firstly, in Ruth's life, her fruitfulness brought life into another. It, it brought blessing again in Naomi's life. But, you know, our faithfulness also can bring continuation in another. In verses 16 to 22, we read the rest here. Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. Again, that's important. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron. Hezron and Hezron begat Ram. And Ram begat Aminadab. And Abinadab begat Nashon. And Nashon begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. So a bit of a lineage there, a bit of a chronology but he's saying there that there was, a, there's, there was a continuation. Remember that what we read at the beginning of the book? Remember what Naomi's thought was? I have no more sons. She said it was impossible. My lineage is dead, is what she was saying. It's gone. I have no more. There's no continuation from me. And, and her mindset was all was lost. But what we find now is this child is accounted to her, and in this child, what we see, the dead inheritance was now a living one. What was dead, what was done and dusted is now a reward, and now is a continuation. And Ruth was blessed, but by extension, she was a blessing 
and this son was born to Naomi. And the child was an extended blessing of continuation. And the son born to Ruth was attributed to Naomi. But we see that the women who barely recognized Naomi, remember, it was, she, she, it was her neighbors at the beginning. She said, don't call me Mara. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. But now, turned around, the same neighbors are looking at her and they're saying, you're blessed. You're blessed, Naomi. Look what's happened in your life. The, the women who barely recognized Naomi upon her return, they're now glorifying the Lord because the joy that they see in Naomi. And we see that the kinsman, right, Boaz was the restorer and the nourisher. But the one that loved, notice that with me, the one that loved was a daughter-in-law. The one that loved was Ruth. And, and I want to tell you that Ruth is a great picture of the church. Ruth, who was a Gentile. Ruth, who was grafted into the family. Ruth is a picture of the church. And I want to tell you that that's the kind of church we need to be a Ruth type of church. Ruth who loved well. Ruth who, although Naomi, someone that she, she saw as her mother-in-law, someone that, that she saw who was in need, someone who had become bitter, someone maybe who had become difficult to live with. Even though all of that was the case, Ruth still loved. Ruth loved. And I hope that we would be the church that would love. You know, at times it's difficult to love people. Would that be a fair statement? Right? Don't look around. Don't look directly at them. I tell you, sometimes people can be difficult to love. In fact, sometimes people are impossible to love. But you know, Ruth loved. And although it was, it was through Boaz who was really the picture of Christ, the kinsman redeemer. Although he was the type of Christ, we see that Ruth took part in that, and Ruth partnered with Boaz, bore fruit, but her faithfulness allowed there to be continuation. And Naomi had the joy of caring for the child, and there's joy in those generations being nurtured, but it was through Ruth. And you know, loving Loving faithfully produces continuation. You see, for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee. thee. And, and I wonder how we love. I wonder how we love. Do we love through thick or thin? Or, or, you know, the Bible tells us a friend loveth at all times. You know, we can as a church show the love of Christ to those who are needy. And I, again, I can't help but think about my own history. I remember just, just, you know, it was a typical, a little bit of a typical migrant story. When my parents got here, really, it was to have a better life, and so they went for that better life. Honestly, for the first couple of years, we weren't really faithful to church, although my parents were very active in the Philippines. But they just got busy working and trying to make a living and all of that, and we hardly went to church at all. In fact, most Sundays, I was playing tennis, and I'd just go down to my, my, uh, to my local tennis court, I was in a competition, and we would play, and that was that was my Sundays, mostly beginning there when we first moved. But you know, after a while, God knew that we needed someone to intervene, and we met a family as as it happened. They were just sort of just down down at the shopping center, handing out tracks, 
got invited to a church, then got invited to another church. And I remember by that time, my parents were getting more faithful. I was then 12, and I was pretty adamant that, you know, Sundays was for sport. And so we were there and started coming along. It was a Bible study at that point. And this, this group of young people who, they weren't perfect, but, you know, they just knew how to love. And I remember they, they, would, they would go out of their way to, to say hello to me. They would go out of my way. It just happened that the house that we lived in was two doors down from where we were meeting as a church. So they would walk to my house. To be honest, sometimes, probably most of the time, wake me up. <laughs> get me out of bed. And get me to church. And they did that consistently for, for a year. Uh, I told you, I'm, I just, I was pretty shy as a kid, and so I didn't really want to be woken, didn't really want to hang out with them, but you know, they were just persistent. Why? Because they knew how to love. They would have me over to their house. In fact, they, they realized that I liked playing basketball, didn't have really good shoes. One of them gave me his pair of shoes. They were Jordans, right? My sons would be like, Jordans, ah! Yeah, see? But they gave me these pair of Jordans that I just wore until they worn out. But, you know, this family just loved on me. They would pick me up and, and take me places. In fact, one of the first times I, I probably, um, probably went to a conference anywhere they took me. And they just, they just, they just knew how to love. And, you know, the, 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 the long and short of it all was because of that, I, I get to serve God today. But it was then. You know, I was saved. I, I knew my Redeemer. But it took a church, is what I'm saying. It took a church to get that little boy who God was going to call later on. And, and it took a church. And it took a Ruth to just be faithful to ensure a continuation in the life of another. And Ruth is a type of the church called out from the world, grafted into the family of God. And, and I want to say to you this morning, we've got to be like Ruth. We've got to have a depth of love for those whom God has called us to come alongside of. And we need to be a friend to those who are lost, to seek to rescue them from their destitution. And we've got to seek to be the bridge that brings them to the Redeemer who can rescue them out of their state of darkness and woe. But love does that. And you know what? Including faithfully can bring continuation. Because she came alongside Naomi in her time of need. And you know, the, the Bible's very interesting. He says, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. You know what seven sons represented in that day? A perfect family. Now some of you, you're thinking, that's not a perfect family. That's a headache. <laughs> but seven sons. Seven sons culturally in that day was the perfect family. And they were saying to her, you know, Ruth has been better to you than the perfect earthly family. You know, there's, there's those today sitting right here and those who are outside who have no family. They've lost everyone. They have no one. There are those sitting on their own perhaps who they're the only one from their earthly family here. But you know what, Ruth, Ruth was better to, to her than seven sons. You know what that tells us? 
as a church, we can be the family that those who don't have one crave. We ought to be. You know what, what bonds us is thicker than any earthly blood? It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we have in common this morning. That's what we have. We, we may come from various backgrounds. We may come from different uh, walks of life. We might do different things throughout the week. But you know what bonds us this morning? We have the blood of Christ and your family. You know, we're not just a church community. We're a church family. We care, and we ought to care. It, it ought to grieve us. It ought, when, when someone's hurt, we ought to hurt for them. When someone's grieving, we ought to grieve along the way, and, and that, that inclusion is what we need. And as a church, we can give them a family. And, you know, God's concern throughout all of the, wages, uh, all of the ages is for the widows and the fatherless. That was his mindset. You know, a church is thankworthy if we can fill the void of family. And Ruth stuck by Naomi in her bitterness, in her rejection, in her destitution. And Ruth was better than what society could have ever wished for Naomi. I want to tell you, if you have family and friends like that, thank God for them. You're blessed. But in this sense, I want you to think about it. She was also a type of Christ. You know, Ruth, she loved perfectly. She stuck closer than a brother. She made a family for Naomi when she had none left. She, she was a type of the prophesied Redeemer who reconciled orphans of sin into the family of the Heavenly Father. She was also a type of Christ. And what we see is her faithfulness allowed there to be continuation. Where there was death, now there was life. And you know, there's so many around us who just, they're facing death but they need eternal life. And that, that ought to be our heart and our cries, not just to, to come, but to be the church. And you know what? Our family in the end can bring a comeback to another. This was a family that God brought together. It was God. And you know who was the beneficiary? Naomi was the beneficiary. And I'm saying at times we underestimate the difference we can make as a family of God just by being fruitful just by being faithful. And I'm saying we're not just an organization, we're a family. We're not just a community of people. We're called to have a name written under heaven. We're supposed to be under His banner this morning. And as a church, we all play a part to help people with their comeback from death to life, from loss to gain, from hell to heaven, and from darkness to light. And what we find is Naomi found purpose through Ruth. He took the child and laid it in her bosom. She became nurse unto it. And she was to care for another, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and you know, I, I want to say that that's what we're supposed to do. The, the, to our Ruth, there's a Naomi who, who just needs purpose, who needs some sort of purpose in life. And we're supposed to show them the Word of God. We're supposed to show them that and her comeback came in the form of purpose for a life that seemed so empty, so, so bitter, and so vain. And she came back empty, and now her arms, her arms were full. Here she had Obed, and she was made nurse unto it. And there's some of you who you're later in life, and your children have moved on. Maybe your children are here. And, but you know, I want to remind you that you've got another generation. 
You've got some babies in the faith and babies for real who, who will be and you could be. And you could fill your purpose with that. There's some of you who will grow, grow a little older in the next few years and you're going to try to find, well, what's my purpose? Listen, you can find your purpose in just caring for others. And you know what? Naomi, in the end, she founded a godly lineage through Ruth. And, and you know, I think about, again, just the, the, the pivot my family took when my grandmother asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save her. You know, before then, she was a, she was a devout Catholic who really was worshipping falsely and had false hope. But my, my, my whole family lineage pivoted on my grandmother trusting Christ to be her savior. And you know, from there, she produced a godly lineage. Those who got saved, those who stayed in church, those who just continued to serve God. And I think about that, how in, in, in Naomi's life, because of Ruth, her life pivoted. And, and we already know that at the end of it, David, who was a man after God's own heart, came from this lineage. And, and the sweetness comes when we see those whom we've, uh, we've invested in around us have a life pleasing to Christ. And, you know, our ultimate goal, though, is to see Christ in others' lives, right? You know, Paul said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. And I want, I want you to see, though, that the lineage doesn't end there. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And maybe you already know this, but Matthew chapter 1, look at verses 5 and 6. And Salmon begat Booz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And notice verse 16 as we go down the list. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You know, you know who ended up being in the lineage? Jesus. And, and you know what we find when we just simply are fruitful and faithful, it'll just help produce Christ in another's life. And, you know, you just don't, sometimes we underestimate what those two things can do when we just simply follow Christ. Because it could produce a comeback in another's life. And actually, Naomi's comeback was due to Ruth. And maybe you'll meet someone tomorrow. Maybe you'll sit someone with someone this afternoon and, and it might be that as you just faithfully are being who you're supposed to be, that you might produce Christ in another's life. You know, ultimately, Ruth's devotion produced Christ in her lineage and ultimately, our devotion as a church, it produces Christ in those whom God has given us to help. And we produce the comeback in others because we want Jesus we want Jesus in another's life. Because we all know it, Jesus is the only one that can cure all of man's ills. You know, we go through and we could, we could counsel and we could, but you know, until Christ is there, Christ is the only one. That's why we go, that's why Easter we go and we 
try to hand out tracts. That's why we try to talk to people. That's why we pray. We have those on the list that we're praying for. That, that's why we go. You know why? Because we know that the only hope people have is by having Christ in their lineage. And I'm glad that all those years, my grandma, she trusted Christ as her Savior, but I'm glad there was a church. There was a church who loved her. There was a church who picked her up and brought her to church. There was a church who eventually got my grandfather to come along and he got saved. And because of that, my parents got saved. And I'm so glad because there was a church, there was a Ruth type of church. And you know, the comeback was complete in another's life. And you know, sometimes we can be so self-centered about our worship that it's all about us, but what about what God can do through you in another's life? Maybe it can produce a comeback. But that's the kind of church that we ought to be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we're thankful for just the time this morning. And, and Lord, I know that, Lord, part of us, Lord, just, Lord, we're just trying to get by at times. And Lord, there's times where we just sort of struggle through life. And yet, Lord, it's just so important that through the ups and downs of life, we just, we just try to be, Lord, the best we can be to, to be faithful and fruitful. Then, Lord, through you, just brings, brings blessing and help and maybe even ultimately a turnaround in another's life. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be that kind of church as we move forward and press forward. Help us, dear God, even as we observe the, the Lord's Supper now and ask that you would please just already work in our hearts about that. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen.